this. I want to thank Caleb and, um, for taking Mother's Day last week when I was out with that excruciating tooth. But thank God for pain meds and uh, healing in Jesus' name. But I know that's the first Mother's Day I've ever missed in my entire life in church. But I'm thankful to have a, a team that keeps carrying the work on. So thank you all. And I've heard nothing but good things about how last Sunday was and how special it was. So that's, that's a blessing. Well, listen, I want you to go ahead and take your Bibles. We're going to be in the book of Esther for the next few weeks. This is one book I've never preached out of in all my years of pastoring. But God has given me this word to share over these next few weeks. And it was supposed to kick off on Mother's Day, but we're one week behind. But I've learned a lot by... Uh, going through this uh, book for the last few weeks and just diving into the truths that are found in it. And so uh, turn there in your Bibles or pull out your phone and go to Esther. Because we're going to cover some ground today from chapter 1 all the way over to chapter 2, verse, uh, I believe it's verse 18. We're going to cover some ground where Esther um, is introduced. But the history, there's a lot of history that's found in this book. And the, one of the first things that I wanted to share with you and an overview of this book is this. And it's pretty amazing to know this. This is the only book in the Bible that does not mention God by name. There's two books in the Bible that are named after women. <clears throat> One's the book of Ruth, and this one is the book of Esther. But there's, this is the only book in all of this Bible that where the name of, of God is not mentioned by name. Now isn't that interesting? Now there were a lot of people that when they were putting the Bible together and it's called the canon, uh, canonosity of it and that was a group of people determining which books were the ones to fit in it. Well there were some that debated and they didn't want to include the book of Esther. But I think it's, it's pretty appropriate, in my opinion, to have a book entitled by this because of, even though you might not see the name of God mentioned in this book, there is no doubt that God's providence and God's sovereignty is there throughout this whole story. And what I love about this book is it is a story. It's one of the most amazing stories and that there's ever been and it's a love story but it's also it's it's got a lot of pain and hurt in it and it's real life is what it is and how appropriate it is that even though the name of God is not mentioned God wanted us to know this story of this woman by the name of Esther maybe you feel like that today maybe Maybe you have been at a place in your life to where you go, life's not making sense right now. Where are you, God, in all of this? Have you ever been at that point in your life? God, where are you? God, why is this happening to me right now in my life? Well, if, if you've ever asked those questions or ever been in that position, I, wanna, I want you to know you are going to be deeply impacted and encouraged by God as we go through this series called Esther for such a time as this now there was a, a point that I want to make here and if you don't get anything else out of what I say today get this 
And here's the main point. God is sovereign when life doesn't make sense. Okay? Let's repeat that together with me. I want you to go through this with me. God is sovereign. Say that together. God is sovereign when life doesn't make sense. Okay? Does that relate to anybody? When life doesn't make sense. When we can't explain why this is happening. And even though we might not be going, well, where are you, God, in all of this? God is sovereign when life does not make sense. That is the theme of where we're going to be going the next several weeks. And this is what real life is all about. Because there's some things that are going to happen that don't make sense in this story. I'm going to pick up in this story and give you a little background coming into it because it's, uh, it's got some names in here that are hard to say. But um, it starts with the story of a king. He has a kingdom, and it's a pretty big-sized kingdom. His actual name is King Ahasuerus. Ahasuerus. Now, I'm not going to say that throughout this series because that's too hard to say. Uh, but anyway, I'm, I'm gonna either, we're going to call him either King A, or if you do your his, or know your history, this was Xerxes. Xerxes was the king of the Persian Empire, and he was a the Persian Empire at this time was big. In fact, it was the largest empire that had ever existed in the world of man at that time. Now. For those of you that were with me a few years ago, I did a series through the book of Daniel. Uh, many of y'all, were y'all here for that? Some of y'all were here for that. You know the, that story. Well, in the book of Daniel, to give you a little background history here, Daniel has this vision that's given to him by God, and it, it's a statue, and it has several kingdoms that's represented in this statue. The first kingdom was the Babylonian kingdom. They were the world empire, and King Nebuchadnezzar was king of the world empire of Babylon. But guess who comes in next? It's the Persian Mede Empire, and that's the empire that Esther is written in. It's during this time, and Xerxes is now king. He's the son of Darius the number one. But they had actually conquered the mighty Babylonian empire that there, no one ever thought would have fallen. But guess what it did? And here comes uh, King A, or Xerxes, and he, he's established his kingdom. And he's, he's over 127 provinces, all the way from India. I've been to India, and that's large enough, but all the way from India, all the way over to the lands of Egypt. It says Ethiopia, but all the way even into the Egyptians. So all of the Middle East, and all the way over into India, this was the Persian Empire, 127 provinces. It was huge. Now, the next world empire that followed this was the Greek. You've ever heard of Alexander the Great? Those of y'all that did your studies in school, he was over the Greek Empire. And then they fell. They eventually beat the Persians, and then they fell to the mighty Roman Empire. And that Roman Empire was the one that was actually in place when Jesus arrived on the scene. So Daniel gives us some insight here. But I wanted to share that with you so you would know where does Esther fit in all this in the world history. 
Because this is world history, y'all. This is actual things that happen. And Esther is going to arrive on the scene during the Persian Empire. Well, King, King A, is what I'm going to call him, King A, he's, he's ruling over his empire. And he's got a big one, as I've said. And it says in the third year, verse 3, of his reign, he gave a banquet for his princes, attendants, the army officers of Persia, of Media, and nobles, and princes of the provinces being in his presence. And he displayed the riches of his royal glory and the splendor of the great majesty for 180 days. So first thing King A does, Xerxes, is he wants, he gets all of his empire, gets all of the rulers, the princes of all the provinces, gathers them all together, and has a banquet. He has a banquet. Now, this isn't some small banquet. We had a banquet here for our little campaign, our bleed campaign, and it was one evening. We had it down here at First Baptist Monroe. We had a good time. It was great. These guys had a banquet that lasted 180 days. 180. Could you imagine? Tammy, would you have liked to hit it up that banquet that's going to last for 180 days? Well, this is what was going on, so you, you can't even imagine the resources it would have taken to perform such a banquet as this. But for 180 days, King A. Xerxes was having his banquet, and he had all of the rulers, he had all of the, all, the officials that were in the army, and they were all present. Okay, that's the first banquet. So I want you to get, here's the story. Then it comes to, there's a second banquet. And after 180 days, they had a banquet that lasted for a week. Well, the king had, had shown everybody just how vast he wanted to display, how great he was and all of his empire. Now he brings it into a smaller group that's there in Susa, which was the capital of Persia. And he brought them all together, and he showed them the beauty of it. And it talked about the linens, and it talked about all the costly things that they had that were there, and it was beautiful. Anybody see anything special over the weekend called a royal wedding? Anybody see anything on TV about that or hear anything about it? I don't know. My wife was like, i got to get up. And I'm like, why? I said, hit the record button. And, and we had it recorded. You know, so she was like, good, I can sleep in and then watch it. Hallelujah, thank you for the record button. But anyway, there were people getting up. And they didn't even have, an, have to have an alarm clock to get up. Because there was something special going on. Well, the King A, Xerxes brought all of his people that were in there for this week-long banquet. And he was showing them and displaying his glory. But then... It says they brought in the wine, the good stuff, from the king's special place. And you know, those kings, they have the wine cellars. Well, he brought in the good stuff. And after a week, he, they said they began to drink according to the law, but the king says you can drink as much as you want. It's up to you. So in other words, we're having a party, and there's an open tab, open bar over here. Come get whatever you want. I've been to a few weddings where they had it, and, you know, I see people enjoy that. Some enjoy it more than others. But it's, it's there. Drink as much as you want. And the king has said, come, drink. And this banquet was going on, and it was at the end of it and so. 
And notice on down here, that's the second banquet. But then it says there's a third banquet going on. Verse 9, Queen Vashti. Vashti is introduced to us. She's the queen of King A, Xerxes. She's also giving a banquet for the women in the palace. In other words, this other one's going on is, the, is a man thing over here. So she comes over and she says, well, I'm going to have a banquet with all these wives and these ladies. And I was getting prepared to share this on Mother's Day. This was, you know, their special banquet going on. That's all we know. One verse given, Queen Vashti. Who is this Vashti? We're going to find out a little bit more about her. But a quick survey. How many of you in this room have ever heard or know of someone named Vashti? One? Anybody else? Okay. So we only have a couple. You know, not everybody names their daughter Vashti. All right? But I know some people that have named their daughter Esther before. I know some Esthers. We have an Esther in the room here. I know, I know several Esthers, but Vashti is an uncommon name. Well, Vashti was the queen. We don't know. It doesn't give us any details about how her wedding happened, but she was queen, and she was given her banquet. But then the king's heart gets happy. Why does he get happy, happy? Because he's done, had a whole bunch of wine come into him, and he's feeling it. And you've seen, you know, there's some people that are good drunks, and there's some people that are bad drunks. Well, I don't know if he was good or bad, but he was feeling it, folks. And here's what he did. He said he pulled his eunuchs together. He, he mentioned seven of them there in the Bible. And he says, I want you to go and get my wife Vashti and have her come to this banquet. Because I'm going to display her beauty in front of everyone. Have her wear the crown and come to us. I'm going to show my hotty wife off right here in front of everybody. That was what he was planning on doing. Well, that sounds reasonable, doesn't it, or what? I don't know. But there are some that suggest, now check this out. There are some that suggest, and I read up on this, that he wanted, he wanted Vashti to appear only with the crown on. Now, you might be going, whoa, 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 whoa. You talking nude at the banquet in front of all them drunk men? Uh-uh, that ain't going to happen. There's some that speculate that. We don't know, according to the text, but we do know there was a bunch of drunk men in a room, and the queen was being summoned to appear before them. Now, Vashti's name actually means, you know what it means? Beautiful. She was a beautiful woman. And the king wanted to display that beauty. Now, any right man in his mind would not ask his wife, I don't think, to appear naked in front of a whole bunch of other men. I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't put her down to that point of doing something like that. But long story short, he summoned for her to come. And guess what? She didn't say, honey, I'll be right over there. She said, I am not coming. I am not coming to that drunk banquet y'all having over there. I'm not coming. <laughs> so what do you think happened next, folks? This is the king. When the king asked you to do something, what are you supposed to do? You're supposed to do what the king says. But the king has asked the queen 
to come and present herself, show off her beauty, just like he displayed all of his glory and his power. Now he's wanting to display his wife. And she said, I'm not coming. So the next part of the story goes on, and it's this one. It's the king goes, uh-oh, I need to call in my princes over my provinces, my inner circle, and I got to get some advice from them. And so he goes to them and he says, okay, what is written in the law for someone who disobeys my command? And they started looking, they started searching, and they said, okay, if, if you give the command king and she doesn't show, then she's got to be punished. She's got to be punished. We cannot let her get away with this because, listen, king, if she gets away with this, then she's not only done something wrong to you, she's done something wrong to all the princes and to all the provinces of all the kingdom because she is disobeying a command from the king. So this is not only going to look bad on you, this is going to look bad on me, and then this is going to be an example, and then all our wives are going to start acting this way toward us. There's going to be a lot of anger and contempt in the kingdom because this isn't going to fly, so king, you're going to have to do something about it. So he listened to the council, and then finally there was a, one of the princes named McMookum, McMuka, he's kind of, these are weird names, but McMuka, he spoke up and he said this. All right, according to the law, King, here's what I recommend. That you put an order together, which when the Persians made an order, it could not be revoked. But put an order together that the queen cannot appear in your presence anymore. Now that's pretty harsh, isn't it, for not showing up at a banquet? But that was what he listened to. And he listened to other things, and then he finally said, okay, good, that sounds good. In other words, Vashti, your history, your history, you are dead to me. It's over. He listened, and he took that advice, and then they sent out, they wrote it up, and then they sent it out to all of the kingdom, to all 127 provinces, from all the way from India, all the way over to Ethiopia, it was sent. And they put the order out, and they said, ladies, you can't talk to your man that way. That's basically what they said. Now, I want you to see what's interesting, that it says down here in the last verse, of verse chapter 1, verse 22, it says, So he sent letters to all the king's provinces, to each province according to the script, to every people according to their language, that, check this out, that every man should be the master in his own house and the one who speaks in the language of his own people. So the, basically the letter said, men, you're the master. You're it. The woman gets out of line, you set her straight, get rid of her. She don't act that right. Get rid of her. Now, wouldn't that be a great Mother's Day message? Man, I mean, men show up, men don't like, a lot of men don't like to come to church anyway, but if a man shows up to church and he hears the preacher go, there's been an edict sent out, men, you're the master of the house. 
They'd be going, yeah, I like that, man. I like that. Preach on, brother. Preach on. You the master of the house. Man, I like old King A, old Xerxes. He got it going on, doesn't he? Well, let's deal with reality, okay? <laughs> this, that's not going to happen. Men, if, if you go home after this message and the only thing you hear or remember is I'm the master of the house, then you got the message wrong today. Do you hear what I'm saying? <laughs> you got the message wrong. Remember, if anything, you should remember is this. God is sovereign when life doesn't make sense. Not that I am the master of the house. King Xerxes shouldn't have done this, but he did it. And then chapter 2 picks up the rest of the story, and we're going to see some cool things from it. it is, this is amazing stuff. It's right here. This is real. This happens. Chapter 2, we pick up. King, he gets over his anger. He's lonely now. He's reached that point. He realized what he's done to Vashti, and he probably might have regretted it, but, hey, he's issued the edict. There's nothing he can do about it now. It's over. It's over. And so there was one eunuch that came to the king and offered this suggestion. He said, King, you need a wife. You need a, we need to have a new queen. So here's the deal. So we're going to go out, search all over your kingdom and find the most beautiful virgins and bring them to you. He listened to that. He said, that sounds like a good idea. All these young, beautiful virgin girls from all over the kingdom were brought to the king. Some speculate it was in the hundreds. And this was what was going on. And then let's pick up. King said, this guy said, there's going to be a guy named Haggai who's going to watch over the women and then let the young ladies appear before you and the one that pleases you the most, she's going to be the new queen. Well, that was the plan. King listened to it, said, that sounds like a good idea. Let's go. And so, if it just ended right there, we'd be thinking, this is weird. But it didn't. Mordecai is introduced to us in this story. Now, who is Mordecai? Mordecai is the cousin of Esther. Mordecai is a Jew. Mordecai is a guy that was around the king's palace, but he didn't have any uh, role as far as a leader or anything. He was, he was one of the Jews that was sent over during the exile back in Daniel's day into the land of Babylon, back from Babylon over into there. And so when Persia conquered Babylon, Mordecai, he stayed there. And Mordecai was one of those exiled Jews who was still in the land. Well, he had his uncle's daughter, which is his cousin. He took her in, and you know why? Because Esther's mom and dad died. They died. God is sovereign when life doesn't make sense. Esther, she's an orphan. And you know, I've, I've got a few points here, and y'all put them on the board when I say them. Life can be hard. Diffi difficult times happen. 
and pain cannot be avoided. Those are three things that you're going to learn about life. Life can be hard. Difficult things will happen, and pain cannot be avoided. It's going to happen eventually to all of us. And when life doesn't make sense, we've got to remember what? God is still sovereign. Well, Esther, she's an orphan. Why her mom and dad had died, the Bible does not tell us. But thank the Lord that Mordecai took her in. Now, what do we know about Esther? She had a Hebrew name here that's mentioned, I believe, in verse 7 called Hadassah. It's her Hebrew name, which actually means myrtle. Uh, I think of crepe myrtles and the beauty of that. But she, she was a beautiful woman. Now, here's the thing that the Bible tells us about Esther. She was beautiful, it said, in face and in form. So that meant everything, guys. She, she was a 10. You know, I remember, uh, I, I lived back in the day when Bo Derrick ran down the beach. Some of y'all don't even know who Bo Derrick is. She was the 10. And I've never met a woman that ever thought she was a 10 because every woman always thinks there's something wrong with them. But they put a movie out called 10, like Bo Derrick is the 10. Well, listen, Esther was a 10. She was beauty and beautiful in face and in form. And, you know, we used to dance back in our day, she's a bad man, a jamma. Well, she was. Some of y'all, I, I took you back in a moment, but you know what I'm talking about. But Esther was a beauty. She was a beauty. And because of her beauty, did she have any choice in this? Did she? No, they saw her, and they took her. She was a Jew. She was related to Mordecai. And Mordecai, he goes, oh, no, they've taken Esther. And this, this dude by the name of Haggai, Haggai is part of the story here, too, because Esther's now taken. And this is where the story gets real interesting. Because we've had three banquets take place, and we're about to see another banquet. But, but even when life's hard and difficult times come and pain can't be avoided, Esther's beauty, because God had made her that way, she didn't have nothing to do with it. God had made her that way. She was taken in, along with hundreds of other girls. And so here's what they began to do. Haggai, he saw her, and here's the first clue for you, folks. This, is, this gives us a glimmer of hope in some way, but Esther found favor in his eyes. So he took Esther, and he gave her the best place in the king's palace. And he gave her seven maids to take care of, and you, the ladies are going, whoa, 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 is this a bad thing right here? Is this a bad thing? This sounds like a good thing for Esther. She's got seven women taking care of her right now able to meet her heart's desire. And Haggai puts her in the most prominent place, and then he starts giving her the things that are needed. Well, they went through a time of six months of cosmetics and then six months of perfumes and aroma. They had a 12-month spa, ladies, a 12-month spa in preparation for this event. I'm going to tell you, this king... He must have wanted his women smelling good when they came to see him. 
That's all I got to say. Because 12 months to get a woman ready? Now, I, you know what? I, I'm always the one waiting in the car going, okay, all right. Come on, come on, sweetie. But you know what? You're going to either be late or your wife's going to be pretty. You, you, you know, you got it. Well, I didn't say that right, but you got a choice. Your wife's going to be pretty regardless. Let me say that. And you're going to be late. You're going to be late. Thank you, my wife's not in here today. She's working children's area. But this is recorded. Oh, Lord, hey, edit that part. But 12 months, 12 months. Now, here's what's interesting in this story. Each of these beautiful virgin girls were to appear before the king for one night. And then they were taken from the harem and they were put into a concubine. Which suggests, yes, that each of these ladies was in a sexual relationship with that king for that night. And so they were no longer virgins as a result. And you might be going, that's not right. That's not right. Isn't that, just think about that. And some of the guys will be going, dude, that king had it made. He had it made. He got a different virgin every night. You think that's what life's really all about? Huh. Well, that's what took place. And so time, every night, it was happening. And so in this story, we pick up, and it said it came time in verse 15. When the, when the turn of Esther came, Mordecai was thinking about her. Every day Mordecai went to the palace to check on how Esther was doing. He wanted to know how his, his cousin was doing. And now finally this time comes. Can you imagine being in that position and thinking about your, your loved one and what they're about to have to go through? just to satisfy the lust of a king. And this was the king's process to find out who would be the next queen. So we're told that Esther enters into the chambers. But before she does, she was given an opportunity to bring whatever she wanted to take with her. And she listened to the advice of Haggai and she only took what he told her. And then the Bible says, right down there, it says that Esther found favor with all the people. Now, listen, this is important. This is the second time that found favor is mentioned in this story, in chapter 2. Esther found favor. So even in this difficult situation when life doesn't make sense, you know, here's this little girl. Her mom and dad are gone. And she's about to go into the chamber of the king of the most powerful kingdom in the world. Now, if this was my daughter, I'd be going, uh-uh, this, this can't happen. This is not the way it's supposed to happen. But this was what was going down, y'all. And Mordecai was concerned. But Mordecai and all everybody, they see the favors there. So Esther appears, and she goes in. 
So Esther, verse 16, was taken to King A to the royal palace in the tenth month, which is the month to Beth, in the seventh year of his reign. Remember, when did the first banquet start? In his third year. This is four years later after Vashti has been booted. Four years later. We don't know how many girls he's gone through. But Esther is here in his seventh year of reign. She enters. Verse 17. You need to underline Mark then, this one. The king loved Esther more than all the women. And she found what? What'd she find? Favor and kindness with him more than all the virgins. So that he sets the royal crown on her head and made her queen instead of Vashti. Wow. Wow. So when life, and in this moment, when life might not have made sense going into us, she has that night. And the queen, king comes and he puts the crown upon her head. There was no royal wedding. <laughs> he just takes the crown, puts it on her head. You are queen. You are my queen now. Wow. God is sovereign when life doesn't make sense. So even in this moment for Esther, she has gone from being an orphan girl, a Jew, that nobody knows about, by the way, to now being the most powerful woman in the most powerful kingdom in all of the land. For such a time as this. Isn't this an amazing story? And then the fourth banquet happens, y'all. Next verse. Then the king gave a great banquet, Esther's banquet, for all his princes and his servants. And he also made a holiday for the princes and gave gifts accordingly from the king's bounty. So we, we saw some other banquets, but it, this story, is, it's not ended, but this is a good one. There was another banquet, and it was Esther's banquet. He honored her, and God was working even in the midst of things that didn't make sense. Isn't this a cool story? Isn't this is a great story? This is your story and my story. Because you and I, just like Esther, have been there in a situation where life didn't make sense. Where are you, God, in all of this? God, you're not even in the book. Your name's not even written in the book. But where are you? God is sovereign. And he's still in control when your life is hard, when things are difficult. And when it doesn't make sense at all, God's still up to something. And we're going to find out with the rest of the story as we pick up in it next week. Okay? It's just like This Is Us, y'all. When we watch This Is Us, we're like, no, no, don't stop. We want to know what's going to happen next week. We couldn't wait to see it. I hope you can't wait to return to hear the rest of the story of what God's going to do through this orphan girl by the name of Esther. Would you pray with me?